Hi, this is Heidi, episode 35, Over and Under-Functioning in Anxiety. Life isn't a spectator sport. Success comes to those who show up every day with a pocket full of courage, grit, and a little sparkle. and listeners. Happy April. I'm recording this while we're experiencing our quarantine with the COVID-19 outbreak. For those of you who are listening to this well after it's recorded, I'm thinking of so many of you who are doing the same as my family right now, staying at home, keeping ourselves occupied. The kids are doing some online school. We're trying to stay active. And both my husband and I are working from home. We here in Boston have had sun the last two days, which has been really refreshing. I just love sunshine. I have actually been super busy deep into a new and very exciting project for my clients, which I'll reveal when my new website is revealed in a few weeks. I'll have to wait until the next pandemic to finish Netflix, like one of the funniest memes said. Every day, I think of how I can help people get through this time. I know many of you are experiencing this very differently. Our circumstances are all very different. We feel different pressures. There's a big difference between being quarantined with younger children versus teenagers. Different challenges. We have to change strategies and the lenses through which we see our children and ourselves. Today, I want to share with you a very insightful way to look at the roles we play in relationships, and especially in how we face challenges and anxiety, which seem to be very high right now, understandably. This is the idea that people respond to challenges by either being over-functioners or being under-functioners. Murray Bowen, a psychiatrist of the mid-20th century, introduced this first, And Harriet Lerner popularized these terms in her book, The Dance of Anger, which is really amazing. Now, here's the distinction between over and under functioners, and I bet you're going to quickly see how you respond. In the midst of a stressful situation, over functioners start doing things. They make lists. They take control. They start fixing things. They want to give advice. They feel responsibility to get the group to the other side of the situation. They usually know what's right for them and for the whole group, have a difficult time sharing their own vulnerabilities because they're so busy worrying about others and are fixated on solving someone else's problem. Now, I don't know why I'm saying they. I can tell you I am a true over-functioner. I want to be the one doing Many first children, like I am in a family, are over-functioners. Parents put responsibility on that child due to their birth order to be in charge or protect younger siblings. And that sense of responsibility then bleeds over into other parts of their life as they grow. And this is all very normal. So over-functioners do a lot and don't want to feel the emotion of the situation And you don't have to be the firstborn at all to be an over-functioner, but a lot of firstborns are. Okay, under-functioners, on the other hand, when faced with a stressful situation, are more likely to hold back, ask for help, not take on responsibility. It looks like they're being irresponsible or lazy or slackers, like they can't pull their own weight. 
Underfunctioners are usually the members of the family everyone worries about in private. They often have a hard time showing up in the areas of their life where they could be strong and where they could contribute greatly. And often they're pretty disorganized in parts of their life. So they get the lazy and disorganized and unreliable labels. And overfunctioners get the credit for being the doers and being reliable. But, and this is a big but, those labels of being lazy or productive are not what's necessarily going on in the situation. More often than not, especially in a stressful or anxiety-prone situation, both people are trying to avoid feeling the emotion of the situation. Overfunctioners don't want to stop the doing and then cry or whatever the emotion is that they really need to feel. Underfunctioners don't want to do things because they'll feel anxiety by doing things and by being responsible. Now, in both cases, as Dr. Brene Brown points out, we over or under function to avoid feeling the anxiety, fear, or sadness of the situation. Once you see this pattern of behavior, it's going to be hard for you to not see it. In marriages, in parent-child relationships, at work, in other leadership, or even friendship group roles. Often the roles become reinforcing. So the underfunctioner depends on the overfunctioner who likes to do the things. The problem comes when we avoid feeling things that we need to feel, when we limit how we help other people serve and do and show up. And it's a problem when we blame the other person for acting as the opposite of the role that we have been a part of creating. So these roles work until they don't work until someone is resentful and it becomes a dysfunctionary dependency between the two. Okay, let me give you some examples from my life. Now, like I said earlier, and honestly, this has to be obvious from someone who's a life coach, has a podcast to help people. I'm a classic overfunctioner. I'm the oldest child, the oldest girl. And add to that that I don't really remember being taught or shown kind of how to feel emotions and that it was okay to feel and express what was going on inside me. So being aware of my tendencies now, I can rein myself in, but I can still see in the past experiences and even today, and I'm sure in the future, how the over-functioning is something I have to manage so that I can feel feelings. Now, several years ago, my best friend died of cancer, and this was probably the most traumatizing and the biggest life-changing event of my life and my family's life. We had been friends for 18 years, had raised our kids together. She fought it for three and a half years, and I did learn to let myself feel the grief and the sadness and the hardness of it all as she fought it. And during the fighting, there were things for me to do, meals to make, taking care of kids, taking her to appointments and more. She was also an overfunctioner, and it was very hard for her to be forced all of a sudden to need to rely on people, to be forced to hang back to let other people do more. She wanted to do more so she could be above all the heavy emotions that she was feeling raising a family and dying of cancer. And my overfunctioning wasn't a problem necessarily for myself while she fought it. But I remember the week before she died and when she did die, I overfunctioned on an Olympic level. I needed to stop my family's life for all of us to travel to be with her family for the funeral. We needed to have this time to grieve. 
So to avoid seeing people, many who knew that I was incredibly devastated, I just stayed busy. I immersed myself in doing things, but luckily I knew what I was doing. I was kind of onto myself. I would catch myself and then maybe spend several days really feeling the awfulness and the heaviness of it. And it didn't get better quickly. Now, I'm not sure how good an example I was to my children who were grieving the loss of a person who was their second mother, who'd raised them beside me, changed their diapers, given them baths, fed them thousands of meals. Her children are my kids' distant cousins. We had a lot of crazy emotions going on. And I'm sure my kids saw me doing a lot. And it's super easy for me to think, well, being productive is a good thing. Flights had to be made, arrangements had to be planned, many people had to be communicated with. Thank heavens for texting and email. I didn't answer a single phone call. But there was a lot to coordinate, and I was the go-to girl. Now, I don't know if I balanced it right, but I was able to pull myself out of doing and have some very long cries and breakdowns. I do hope I gave my kids an example that they do need to stop and feel the sadness and the total loss of it. So this isn't necessarily an example of how someone was maybe too dependent on me in an unhealthy way. It's just the strongest example for me of over-functioning to avoid feeling. Now, a different example. Many years ago, I was in a leadership position in my church where I was like an assistant or an advisor, if you will, to someone else. And the person who led the group was very involved in all the details and wanted things to go a certain way. And I think this was a way for her to cope with her anxiety, but she really couldn't sit back and let other people do things to contribute to the overall group. And I noticed myself disengaging and becoming an under-functioner. My thought process was, well, she doesn't really trust me. She really wants to do it herself. She actually kind of looks like she likes the stress, so I'm just going to let her. What happened, though was I noticed I gave less than I knew I really could give. I contributed less. I felt anything I did really wasn't going to be valued. And this is exactly what happens when underfunctioners aren't asked to contribute, when they don't push through the anxiety of doing things. We don't benefit from the value they can bring to the table, and we don't learn from them. We don't allow them to shine in their own way. So not only do underfunctioners need to be forced to do things in challenging times, the overfunctioners need to step back and recognize the unique qualities the underfunctioners have, even if it means that some things slip through the cracks. In both cases, we all need to embrace more vulnerability and open ourselves up to one another. Okay, so how does this relate to April 2020? We're quarantined at home with families. We're all experiencing what could be considered a challenging and stressful situation, okay? The details and stressors are different for each of us. But look at your family, who you are now able to look at 24 hours a day, which may be more than you would like. Remember, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Okay, first, figure out which way you default with a challenge. Do you over or under function? Really, how do you cope with anxiety or avoid it? Do you like to solve everyone else's problem? Or do you shrink back and let everyone else swoop in and fix? 
Second, what is challenging right now? Identify the challenges and the stressors and reevaluate each week because this really is a fluid situation. Okay, third, ask what emotions am I possibly avoiding feeling right now? Am I trying to avoid feeling scared or anxious or fearful or sad or disappointed? Now, it's nice to have good, healthy distractions and ways to minimize those emotions, exercising, having creative outlets, connecting with people. But you and only you know, are you doing those things in excess and are you totally avoiding certain situations and feelings? Now, fourth, and this is where our growth is. You know the possible heightened emotions in your life. So talking to you over functioners, which means I'm talking back to myself, what are you doing out of desire to just stay busy or feel productive that you can ask someone else to do and then not micromanage them doing? Be okay someone else does it their way. Your kids are doing their schoolwork from home. Now I've decided to be almost 100% out of my kids schooling. They don't want me involved actually. Do you know how hard it is not to insist that they have a beautiful schedule hour by hour with nice sticky notes and lists for every class and everything due? This is hard for me, but this is how my kids learn. They want to do it and I'm letting them. Now, will something slip through the cracks? Of course, heaven's big things might slip but I need to let them function. They need to feel my confidence that they can do it. My kids are doing a lot more housework and they're making meals. It's awesome. They're learning a lot and I see their pride as they learn something new in the kitchen. And guess what? I have to hold my tongue from giving super helpful advice and tips. I'm really trying hard to let them contribute to how their life at home with this uncertainty is going to look. I have to step back allow chaos, allow uncertainty. I have to let things be messy, however that looks for each of us. This is hard work for us overfunctioners, but it really is what allows us to practice being vulnerable and practice processing emotions. Now, those who default to underfunctioning to manage stress, why aren't you doing things that could be helpful to your family, your work, to anyone right now? Where are you shrinking and hiding just to avoid feeling something? Are you avoiding learning things because of the anxiety of doing something new and risking failure? It might be a problem if you're avoiding something that you really need to do so you can function and take over more responsibility at home or at work, maybe with extended family. Ask your spouse or partner or coworker, what can I do to help? Let them know that you know they usually shoulder the responsibility and you'd like to do a little more in this stressful situation. Try to see your home quarantine situation from the eyes of everyone and see how you can do a little more. Remember, there are a lot of factors that go into the habits and tendencies that we have. There isn't anything, quote, wrong with how you default to handling anxiety. Your brain wants to avoid feeling it. Social, cultural, and family factors mold us into responding the way we do. And being dependent on others and helping others is is really a very healthy way for all of us to live. One way to know when there's a problem is when you feel resentment. If you feel resentment creep up, stop yourself and take a good critical look at what's going on, what you're thinking and feeling, where you're over and under functioning. 
What assumptions are you making about other people and their responsibilities and capabilities? And let's allow people a big circle of patience, understanding, compassion. Having the rug ripped out from under people and their lives is hard. People are responding in different ways. We don't know what's going on for someone else. We don't know their stresses and strains and also how they cope with anxiety. We don't know their disappointments and grief right now. In our homes, let's allow people to be stressed or anxious or mad if they need to. You don't need to feel what they're feeling. It isn't a problem. You only feel what you create in your body with your thoughts. Someone else doesn't create it. So if you can minimize your own stress and anxiety and negativity and just be okay that everyone else is feeling what they are, you get to remind yourself nothing has gone wrong. They are processing this situation. Let them have their emotions. So my last question is, do you have a life coach? And if not, why not? Once you rewire your brain, you change your life and there are ripple effects in every part of your life. So set up a free phone call via HeidiBenjaminson.com or link through my weekly emails. If you aren't getting them, you absolutely need to. We all need sunshine right now. Sign up at my website and the emails have links to set up calls. A happy and mentally healthy mother is the best gift to her family. I'll see you next week. 